Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 1, Chapter 20, On the Love of Solitude and of Silence, Part A. You must find time somehow for cultivating your own society. God's mercies to you need a lot of thinking over. At such times, put your thirst for knowledge on one side. Read so as to soften the heart, not so as to divert the mind. Must you always be gossiping, always going about aimlessly, picking up the latest rumors? If you can do without that, you will find plenty of suitable occasions for getting on with your meditation. The great saints always avoided the society of other people as much as they could. They wanted to be alone, waiting upon God. What does the old tag say? I never yet went out among men without feeling less of a man when I came home. How often we have that experience at the end of a long chat. Easier to keep your mouth shut than to talk without saying too much. Easier to bury yourself away at home than to watch your step successfully in public. If you are really aiming at an interior life, a spiritual life, you must be off with Jesus, away from the crowd. Section B, on true and false confidence. Never trust yourself to appear in public unless you love solitude. To speak unless you love silence. To come to the front unless you would sooner be at the back. To give orders unless you know how to obey them. And never trust your own feelings of lightheartedness unless you are sure that they have a good conscience behind them. The confidence of the saints, that is a different matter. It was always permeated with the fear of God. All those good qualities, all those dazzling graces, didn't for a moment make them less anxious or less humble about themselves. Whereas the confidence sinners feel comes from pride and presumption and it is going to let them down in the end. You may pass for a good monk or a good hermit, but you must never think yourself secure as long as this life lasts. It is not uncommon for the people who stand highest in the world's estimation to be in the greatest danger. They are too sure of themselves. Indeed, for many of us, it is a good thing that we should not be wholly free from temptation. Its frequent assaults keep us on the watch so that we are less likely to grow conceited and perhaps allow ourselves too much liberty in the pursuit of earthly comfort. Section C, on the love of oneself. No more hunting for momentary pleasures. No more entangling ourselves with the world 
and what a clear conscience we might have. What peace, what calm we might enjoy if we could cut out all useless preoccupations and think only about our salvation, only about divine things, if we could make God the unique center of our hopes. If a man would earn heavenly consolations, he must school himself carefully in the discipline of holy sorrow. And if that sorrow is to be heartfelt, you must go back to yourself and shut it tight against the noises of the world. Scripture tells you as much. In your bedchambers, feel the sting of sorrow. You will find it waiting for you in your cell, the thing you have so often looked for in vain outside it. A cell lived in is a cell loved. Little frequented, it will get on your nerves. Be a good tenant, a good caretaker of it. When you first enter religion, and you will find it a cherished friend, a welcome consolation later on. And it is in silence and in repose that the devout Christian makes progress. The hidden truths of scripture are revealed to him, and so night after night, he finds himself bathed in salutary tears. The further from the world's den, the more intimacy with the world's creator. And if you want God and his angels to draw near, you must keep friends and cronies at a distance. Hide yourself away with an eye to your soul's welfare. That will do you more good than to go about doing miracles with your own needs forgotten. It is a good sign in a religious if he seldom goes out, if he shuns appearing in public and is disinclined for human company. Why do you stand looking in at the shop window when you can't go inside? The world and its gratifications pass away. Always the lore of the senses will be tempting us to take a stroll abroad. But what is left after a brief hour of enjoyment? All you carry home is a troubled conscience and a distracted mind. Glad journey out, sad journey home. A gay, happy night means a gray morning. How often that is true. How insidiously they creep in the pleasures of sense, yet lead to nothing but remorse and ruin. All you could see elsewhere, you can see just as well here, sky and earth and the four elements. That is all the stuff the world is made of, and all you see anywhere will only last a little while here under the sun. You dream of fruition, but the dream is unattainable. If the whole of our transitory existence could pass before your eyes, it would be nothing but an empty show. Look heavenwards, look Godwards, ask pardon for what you have done and left undone. Idle thoughts for idle minds. Only one thing claims your attention, 
God's will for you. Shut yourself in and call the well-loved presence of Jesus to your side. Let him share your cell with you. Nowhere else will you find such peace. Why did you ever leave it? Why did you listen to all that gossip? You would have done better to preserve your peace of mind. So eager yesterday to hear the latest news. You bear the burden of troubled thoughts today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, pattern of humility, mirror of the divine life, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. When we read a chapter like this, how is it compatible with what St. Philip Neri was doing in Rome? Gathering lay people every day to hear the word of God. Gathering them on weekends to go visit the hospitals, doing things as a group. Going on pilgrimage to the seven churches. Forming a community of priests and laymen and lay and around him. Well, the key to understanding how all this talk about solitude and being with Jesus is compatible with what St. Philip was doing is found in one little line from tonight's reading. One thing claims your attention, God's will for you. God's will for you. Everything depends on that. What does God want me to do? What does God want you to do? And we need friendships. We need to be strengthened by one another. When Christ sent out his 70 disciples, he sent them out two by two. When he sent the 12 out, he sent them out two by two. He spent three years with his apostles, day in and day out. So Thomas Akimbus's exhortations tonight have to be understood in light of the will of God for each individual life. He's talking primarily about monks who seem very eager to get out of the monastery and to find out all the latest gossip. Hours and hours of talking just to hear what's going on in the world. And he says, why are you doing that? Why is all that necessary? What does this have to do with our lives? Well, how much time do we spend each day on the news? How much time do we spend on social media feeds, hearing all the things going on in the world? When we wake up in the morning, 
Do we first turn our minds to God or do we first pick up our phones? In other words, is our mind fixed on God and his will? Or are we just trying to distract ourselves, filling ourselves with knowledge of all that's going on? Now, if we need to know something, if we need to go out and get recreation, if we need to spend time with people, if we need to have family time, great. Do it. Do God's will. No one can be always praying. No one can be always doing spiritual things. We need healthy recreation. We need exercise. We need relaxation. All these are part of God's will for us. But once again, the question is, what is God's will for me? And what God's will is fundamentally is that we grow in intimacy with the world's creator. That has to be the goal of all of our lives. And then the question is, what are the means in my situation, in my place, towards growing in intimacy, closeness with God? And what are the kinds of things that I do that don't help me in that way whatsoever? What just leaves me with a troubled, distracted mind? Do I really need to go out to these places, certain places? Do I really need to spend that much time watching certain things? When it's over, am I renewed or am I dissipated? Am I renewed, strengthened in some way? Or have I just filled my heart with remorse? Now, finally, let us not be misled by people who seem really, really confident, really, really full of their own ideas. There's two kinds of great souled, great confident people. Those who are confident in God and those who are overconfident in themselves. And he says in the end, when we're full of presumption on our own strength, pride and going after things beyond us, we will eventually be let down. We're too sure of ourselves. And instead, let us ask the Lord tonight to give us a love of being alone with him. There's a big difference between loneliness and holy solitude. Holy solitude. To be with Jesus. To ask him to come into your cell. And you say, well, I don't have a cell, Father. Yes, you do. You have the cell of your own heart. If you cannot create an isolated space in your home, if you cannot create a little area in your house where you can be with God, then try your best to close your ears to all that's around you and enter quietly into your heart. Even in a crowd, we can serve the Lord, but we have to ask Jesus to be with us. We have to ask him to show himself to us. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.